Well, thank you so much for being here tonight. Uh, we have some visitors. We thank you for coming. Uh, as already stated, the members here, we appreciate your presence so very, very much. We'll spend some time studying the Word of God together tonight, and I hope it will be beneficial to you. If you have your Bibles, you can take and uh, open them up when we turn to a few passages and read from God's Word. And Certainly, if you have any questions or comments about anything that I've taught, uh, I'd be glad to talk to you about those things. But we're really glad that you're here. Enjoyed uh, eating with Luke and Jacob tonight. Um, two young men here, and I uh, appreciate them very, very much. And uh, it was a good conversation, and uh, appreciate them very, very much. You all have been very hospitable and very encouraging, and I appreciate that very much. Tonight, we're going to talk about forgiveness. Now, forgiveness is a topic that I think people like to talk about. Because we need forgiveness. We want forgiveness. But then the difficulty part about forgiveness is when we have to be the one forgiving someone else. Then that's tough. So tonight we're going to concentrate on the latter. And really talk about how you forgive. So, when we think about this idea of forgiveness, you might remember Jesus saying, for if you forgive men for their transgressions, your Heavenly Father will also forgive you. In verse 15 he says, But if you do not forgive men, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. Now, I don't want this to sound the wrong way. But I think most of us would feel pretty good if Jesus hadn't said that. That puts a lot of pressure on us. Because how has God forgiven you? Well, if we want to continue to be forgiven, we have got to learn to forgive others. And as I said last night, we have been treated wrongly. At some point in time, somebody has sinned against you. Someone has hurt you. And how we deal with that is really important. And it may be that we think we have forgiven. Maybe we've even said the words, I've forgiven them. But there's some keys that really will tell whether or not you really have. So, if we're going to talk about forgiveness, would you think maybe it's going to be easy topic or hard topic? Well, I'm just going to go and say, I, I think it's going to be a very hard lesson. So, I invite you to, to listen closely. Make sure you think about what we're talking about deeply. And if you do have questions, I'll be glad to answer those as best I can. I, I don't have all the answers. But I know the one who does. So let's talk about forgiveness. 
Well, first of all, let's talk about God's forgiveness. You know, the Bible says in 1 John 4 and verse 8 and other places that God is love. Now, there's other ways that the Bible says that God is love. And one of those ways is God is compassionate. Another way would be God is gracious. God is merciful. God is kind. There's just a, a plethora of words that can be used. But when we begin with the premise that God is love, Daniel 9 and verse 9 talks about because of the compassion of God, God forgives. So I can stop right there and just make a very simple point. Um, do you love someone? Well, then you'll forgive them. If you don't forgive someone, then you don't love them. We learn that from God. Not only does He forgive, but He remembers it no more. I have a hard time with that. Just forgetting. Now sometimes we say to people, well, just forget it. And it's usually over something that's unforgettable. <laughs> we remember. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a moment. Alright, so Ephesians 4 and verse 32 says, to kind of sum up those three points I made about God's forgiveness, and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. So, when you think about all that I have been forgiven, all that you have been forgiven, how much would you say that is? How much would you say you've been forgiven? Let's, let's start it. Let's, let's go about it this way. How many times do you think you've sinned in your life? Ten times? Ten times ten? Five times ten to the what? Bunch? When God forgives, how much of that does He forgive? So when we think about God's forgiveness, that has to do with the fact that He is certainly kind to us. He is tender-hearted to us. And He forgives us. That's what we're striving to be. <coughs> We're striving to be kind and tender-hearted and forgiving others. With some people, that's easy. There are some people that are just easy to forgive. My little granddaughter, when she does something and she's really hadn't gotten to that point where she's getting into stuff real bad, but whenever she does the least little thing that I think that I have to say something to correct her, as soon as I look at her and I say, Savannah, she will look at me and she'll start crying. Just immediately starts crying. Her mother was exactly the same way growing up. All I had to do was to look at Becca and say, Becca, 
And she just starts boo-hooing and immediately starts saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Then there are the other people that are hard-hearted, stubborn, bullheaded, etc., etc., etc. Never do anything wrong. Never admit they do anything wrong. My wife and I, one time, early on in our marriage, we had a little disagreement. And I said to her, you need to say you're sorry. She looked at me and she said, you are sorry. <laughs> that didn't come out right. So different people deal with forgiveness differently. But here's the goal. This is the goal. That you be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other. How? Just as God in Christ also is forgiving you. That's the goal. Now, how do you do that? How do you do that? Because sometimes people sin against us or hurt us or say something bad about us, and we find out about that. And sometimes we may just, you know, no big deal. And then sometimes it just, I mean, it crushes you. Just crushes you. How do you forgive them? Well, first of all, you've got to love the offender. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, um, this is a great text, as, as you well know. It's very important to our discussion. In chapter 13 and verse 5, I want you to notice, does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own. It's not provoked. Here's what I'm looking for. Does not take into account a wrong suffered. That is... An accounting term. Have you ever known of anyone that could just tell you every mistake you ever made and when? I'm talking about the ones that you said you were sorry about. Ones that have been corrected. There are some people that just keep a ledger. The preacher that did that. It was quite devastating. You see, love does not take into account a wrong suffering. What's that saying? When you love someone, now let's back up. Remember all these lessons are connected. Who are we supposed to love? Everyone, right? Why? Because God loves everyone. So if we're going to be like God, then we need to love like God loves. So here's the deal. Someone has offended you. You need to make sure you do the mental gymnastics that you're not going to write down 
and or mentally record that mistake and hold it against them forever. What's the old saying? You know, you bury the hatchet, but keep the handle sticking out. Why? So you can go grab it and pull it out and whack it with it again. Well, that's sinful. So the first thing that we need to learn is that you need to love the offender. What does that mean? When you love the offender, you do not keep a record of all the times they have offended you and even though forgiven, keep bringing it up. Number two, you got to release the offender from your punishment. That's important. In the book of Romans, chapter 12, you've read these passages many, many times. But I want you to notice that in this context, beginning at verse 17, the scripture says, Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. So what does never mean? Well, there's a bunch of exceptions. Especially those, those people that I don't like. Well, never means never. So never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. Verse 18, if possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Sometimes we can go the extra mile and that relationship is just busted. There's no way to repair it. But you've done everything you can do. That happens. But then verse 19, never take your own revenge. So if somebody sins against you, what, in what way would you revenge that? When I was growing up, I lived in a neighborhood where there was a bunch of guys, uh, three or four years apart, or in, a, in about a three or four year uh, span, a bunch of guys in that same age bracket. And we played ball every day. We played football, basketball, regardless of the season. Football, basketball, wrestle, fight, uh, play more basketball, wrestle, fight. You know, we did a lot of fighting. And one of the rules of the street was if a guy hit you on a scale of two, one being just nothing, and ten being knockout. First of all, if a guy beat you and it was a two, we'd all call him a sissy and laugh at him. But if a guy hit you and it was a two, how do you respond to that? Or ten. That's how you respond. The street law is in many of us. If somebody offends us in some way, a two. We're coming back with 14. And that's exactly what he says, don't do. You don't do that. The text goes on to say, beloved, leave room for the wrath of God. God will take care of this. That's difficult for many of us to do. We want to help the Lord. 
take care of this problem. But yet, the Lord will take care of it. Because he says, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Verse 20, But if your enemy is hungry, you feed him, and if he is thirsty, you give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap burning coals upon his head, killing him with kindness, so to speak. Which leads me to the next point of verse 21. You need to do good to the offender. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Here is where one of the major transitions of the disciple of Jesus Christ occurs. We've talked about disappointing God. We've talked about pleasing God. We've talked about all those topics leading up to the night to where here's where the rubber meets the road if you fit the true discipleship mode forgiving someone that has hurt you severely. You still love them? Treat them kindly. You do not avenge or take revenge. But you heap burning coals upon his head. Figurative expression, kill him with kindness. That's what God expects of us as disciples. Now you're sitting there, it's like I'm standing here. And we're thinking collectively of all the times we didn't do it that way. You remember on Monday evening we talked about, do people know you're a disciple? And remember we concluded the idea of how we love others is what causes us to stand out as a light. And at the heart of that light is the willingness to forgive like Jesus on the cross when He looked down upon those who were crucifying Him. Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. That's our disposition. Not retaliation. Not vengefulness. Not hitting him back with 14. I don't care who you are, male or female. That's tough. That's difficult. That is not the human way. But it is God's way. Don't celebrate the offender's failures. At some point in time, when you're past the offense, and you've tried your best to say, I forgive you. Let's move on. Trying to forget it. Something bad happens to that person, and you're happy about it. They go through a difficulty. <coughs> you love them. Why? Because you love seeing them hurt. Well, why? why are you loving it? Because they hurt you. You see, we, we just have convinced ourselves we cannot get any real satisfaction in forgiveness until they hurt like they hurt us. And then and only then can we maybe, maybe be satisfied. 
And that's just not our job. That is just not our job. You treat the offender with the golden rule. And this golden rule is called golden for a reason. Treating others the way you want to be treated has all to do with the mindset of discipleship. You, 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 have, you have made up your mind. You are not going to displease God. You are going to please God. And everybody is going to know that you're a Christian. Not for your ego's sake, but for your example's sake. So you're going to love and you're going to treat others the way God <coughs> would treat them. And we struggle with that. We all struggle with that. And you got to stop dwelling on the past events. You can't let it go. You just can't let it go. Keep talking about it. Keep thinking about it. Quick example in the book of Philippians, chapter 3. The Apostle Paul, think about who he was. Saul Tarsus, persecutor of the church, right? One of the things he says in this great text, he talks about forgetting those things that are behind. I press on toward. Well what, did Paul, well, what did Paul have to forget? Now, in our world today, you barely can go anywhere in this world without at some point in time running into somebody that knows somebody you know. In the first century, parties of biblical uh, continent is concerned. Paul would have had the opportunity to have run into a lot of people that were kin and or knew people that Paul, when he was Saul, had put in prison. Had voted that they'd be put to death. And can you imagine Paul preaching the gospel in Ephesus and in the assembly there's a family sitting there whose cousin or whose grandparents back in Israel in the day the man that is standing up there claiming to be an apostle and preaching the gospel of salvation they're looking at him as the one responsible for the death of their loved ones. They talk about forgiveness a little bit. Was Paul forgiven of God for what he did? Everybody should be going this way. 
情是这个图案。Paul had forgiven himself. People like that family <coughs> had to forgive him too. And so we would say, I just know how people do that. I tell you how you do that. You just do that. You just do it. Jacob was talking to me about yesterday. Difficult day that was, and him speaking at his grandfather's funeral. He, he didn't want to do that. Do you know what? He did it. And I asked him today, I said, Are you glad you spoke? Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm did it hurt? Yeah. Did it pain? Pain? Yes. It was painful. But he did it. Why? Because of the love that's there. You know, we talk about love sometimes too much. We talk about love, love not enough. We use it sometimes. When you talk about, I love puppies, I love ice cream, and I love my wife. <laughs> sometimes the word love is kind of used in, in, in ways that's uh, kind of demeaning in some ways. When you're talking about forgiveness, you have got to include the idea of love. And when you include that idea, you've got to stop dwelling on the past and always talking about it because that will keep you remembering and you need to forget it. You need to forget it. Forgiveness is the power that breaks the chains of bitterness and anger and sets you free from the shackles of your own prison. I don't know who in the world said that. That was awesome. It is a prison. I don't tell you this is a shock factor. It's just reality. It is my prison. Some of you know my father killed my mother and he killed himself. 22 years ago. Seems like yesterday. I've had to work on forgiveness a lot. And I'm still working on that part about it's process. Loss hurts. But what happens when you try to place blame on someone and you're unwilling to forgive, it shackles you in a prison of bitterness and anger. <coughs> and you probably don't even realize it. But it's there. No one leaves a family without breaking someone else's heart. 
That's just a fact. And when you apply it to the church, no one leaves the church without breaking someone else's heart. That's just a fact. The church is a family and it's not a business. Jesus wants us to be a family, not customers. I go to this little restaurant outside of Rogersville and on the front door, the owner has a sign Trump. <coughs> there on the wall And I know the owner. And he was telling me that there was a person that came in and just gave him what for because of that sign. And made the owner really mad. Because this person was giving him what for. Finally, he just said, uh, the person may have said, well, I'll never buy anything here again or I'll never eat here again, you know, that kind of thing. You know what the owner said? Fine. I don't care. See you. Now, I don't know how you handle that situation. I'll joke with you from time to time. I'm seeing there, I said, and that sign just really offends me really bad. Jesus. You know, if we're talking about your family, if you're talking about the church, <coughs> somebody gets sideways, and you just say, see you. And that's just get block block. That ain't good. That ain't good. When there's a problem, you need to work it out. This is an editorial comment. I'm not usually one that does that. I won't charge y'all for this comment, okay? So this mark this off on church. You know, sometimes there are too many churches. You know why there's too many churches? Because people can't get along. Got a little joke for you. Remember, this is an editorial comment section. If I go on the island, I've heard this story. Find a guy on an island, and he's got like six or eight buildings on this island, and he's the only one on the island. And they ask him, said, "What are these buildings?" Well, he says, "I live in this right here." Well, what's this building over here? Well, that's where I go and that's where I eat. What's these other buildings? He says, "Those are church buildings." Well, why do you have so many church buildings? He said, "Well, I used to go to that church, and I got mad at people there, and I went over here and joined this church, and built, built, and then I joined." Can't get along with himself. Right? Now, having said that, we want the church to grow. And we want more churches. <coughs> we want more brethren. But not at the expense of fussing and fighting and dividing over the color of the carpet. At some point in time, we got to get over it. At some point in time, we have got to learn to kiss and make up. Now, through my editorial comment. The point still is this. When there is a problem, work it out. 
Let's talk just a second about that. When somebody does something wrong, who is responsible to go and fix it? Matthew 5 says, if you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your sacrifice at the altar. Go and make it right with your brother. So the one that has been, that has done the offending, needs to go and make it right. Because somebody's got something against you. Now, if I put that in modern day terminology, I think the idea of offering sacrifices. Let's put that in the category of worship. I'm sitting here, I'm going to worship God, and I know some brother has really got something against me. I need to fix that. ASAP. Matthew 18 talks about if your brother sins against you, go to that brother. Don't put it on Facebook. Don't tweet it. Don't Instagram it. Go to that brother and try to work it out. If you can't get it worked out, Take a couple, three more with you. Try to get worked out. If that doesn't work, take it for the church. You'll notice in Matthew 5 and Matthew 18, you put those together, that both the offender and the offended have primary responsibility of getting with the other to make it work out. I've heard time and time again, brethren, say, well, he's the one that did wrong. He needs to come to me. He needs to come talk to me. I ain't going to say nothing to him. Well, that's wrong. Both have a responsibility. So if there is a problem in your family or in the church, it's got to be worked out. And I will go so far as to say the interpretation of that would be this. There might be an exception. But when there is sin, and brethren involved, and it's not resolved, somebody's still in sin. Now, there can be Paul and Barnabas cases. There was no sin involved there. They had a disagreement. Nothing wrong with brethren disagreeing for a second. You see why forgiveness is so hard? It's because it can easily get into a mess brother and with family. My grandparents died a few years back on my dad's side and a number of siblings, aunts and uncles. Because my dad was already dead, the family allowed me to step up to be in my dad's place. My dad was the oldest. I was the oldest grandchild. Well, when my grandfather died, his estate, I'll just say this. My family's got a bunch of thieves. A bunch of cutthroat thieves. I'll just say it nicely. Because as soon as my grandpa died, they went to his house, started grabbing stuff, and just emptied the house before there was ever a will read or anything. That probably wouldn't happen in your family. You all probably don't have family like that. These people aren't Christians. But it's still bad. 
That can happen among Christians. Do you ever read First Corinthians six? I got those main thoughts there from Keith Stoneheart. Y'all might know that guy. Give him credit. Oh, I've forgiven them, but I never will never forget what they did to me. And I want nothing to do with them. I don't want to be anywhere near them. You ever heard those kinds of comments? Maybe you've made those kind of comments. As somebody's been hurt really, really bad, and they're mad. And they are mad. They're done. Matthew chapter 5, Jesus had something, I think, very specific to say about that kind of disposition. And you know what it is before I ever get there and read it. But let's read it together. Matthew 5, verse 43. You've heard that it was said you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. In order that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. Let's stop there just for a quick sec. We read it real quickly. Let's emphasize it. But I say to you, there are things that men in general sort of do that Jesus said, if you're going to be my disciple, you got to be different. I want you to love your enemies. I want you to pray for those who persecute you. How would you pray for somebody that persecutes you? Let me see. Dear God, please send down a lightning bolt and kill that person. Make them suffer. Make them hurt. Is that the prayer? You think that's Christ's intent? He says, verse 45, In order that you may be sons of your Father, how could someone see or know that we are children of God? By how we show our love for others, even our enemies? Absolutely. For He causes His Son to rise on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? It's easy to love folks that love you. It's easy to forgive people that love you and you love them. Most of the time. But if you don't even like them anyway, they ain't got a chance to be forgiven. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax gatherers do the same? And if you greet your brothers only, what do you do more than others? Have you ever seen Christians in an assembly together, refuse to shake hands with each other? Have you ever witnessed that? Wouldn't even speak to each other? And they're all going to go to the same place in heaven together? Really? I'm not judging that. The Lord will take care of that. Verse 48. Therefore you are to be perfect that you have <clears throat> Contextually, I think he's talking about the idea that God loves everyone, including his enemies. 
so should we. You really want to be changed? You really want to be different? You really want to be a disciple of Christ? You're going to have to learn to forgive people that sin against you. Forgiveness doesn't excuse their behavior. I hate what my father did. And I have not in any way discounted the fact that my mother caused it. My mother, I loved her dearly. She was a good woman. But my dad had several buttons on his back. Several buttons. And each one of them meant when she pushed it, he would go into orbit. Everybody on the same page with me about that? Where she knew exactly what button to push when it caused him just to, to go off. My mom and dad were Christians. It's one thing to say. It's another thing to live it. And I would just like to say that I don't excuse what my dad did. I don't excuse what my mother may have done. But I forgive them. You know why I forgive them? Because I have to. Because I need forgiveness too. I want to go to heaven real bad. And I've got to learn to deal with that. Forgiveness prevents their behavior from destroying your heart. When that news first came out, I mean, I wasn't any more dead than if you just took a gun and shot me. Elders at Jordan Park told me just take time off, however long you need. And I was, I, I was gone. Mentally, I was just, I, I don't know where I was. Finally, I heard my daughter standing outside the room. I was sitting in a room, it was dark. I'm just sitting in the chair. I just, my mind was nowhere to be found. And I heard my daughter say to my wife, when is dad coming back? I don't know why that hit me. I don't know why that was the right thing to say. But it came back. And I learned you can't fix everything. You can't fix everybody. But you can't forgive. No one ever has that kind of trauma in your life. But you've got to learn to forgive too. It was destroying me. It'll destroy you too. And whenever you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against anyone, 
so that your Father also who is in heaven may forgive you your transgressions. Now that's a new kind of motive for prayer. Before you open your mouth and you get ready to ask God to forgive your sins, you need to do a little mental gymnastics with yourself. First, do I have anything against anybody and am I in prison or shackled with anger and bitterness because of anything that anybody has ever done to And if the answer is yes, before you pray, you let it go. That's what that has Forgiveness. It's a beautiful thing. I've witnessed in the years bunches of Christians hugging, embracing, and for a long time there was bad blood. It's a beautiful thing to see people forgiving each other. I've seen <laughs> married couples having such an awful marriage and finally get things taken care of <coughs> and have the kind of marriage that God wants you to have. That's a beautiful thing. Forgiveness. That's a beautiful thing too. It doesn't matter who you are or what you've done. When you do what the Lord says, you come up out of that water and every sin is forgiven. And God forgets all of it. That's what He did for me. That's what He did for you. So if He did that for us, what should we do for others? It's the least we can do. Did you hear me? It's the least we can do. Because of all that we've been forgiven. Well, maybe you've never become a Christian. Obeying the gospel is pretty significant. But it begins with the first lesson on Sunday morning, making a choice. Are you going to listen to God and do what God said? Or are you going to listen to somebody else and do what they said? Because your whole life as a disciple starts with that question. So tonight, you should be able to handle forgiveness if you answer the first question correctly. Song is selected. Number 815. If you need to obey the gospel, it might be a great time to do that. If you're a child of God and you... And this is a private thing. You, you, you're just not forgiving others like you should. You need to be praying God to forgive you. And make whatever correct, uh, corrections are necessary. 
you need the prayers of the church here. These good brothers here will pray with you and pray for you. And as a Christian, you can be forgiven. And isn't forgiveness just the most awesome thing? My wife's grandfather, who grew up in the church, his father was an elder, he never obeyed the gospel. He was in his 70s. And he decided to be baptized in Christ. And when he was baptized, when he came up out of that water, he just hollered out, ain't it wonderful? All these years, he knew what was right and never did what was right. And finally he did it. It was just overwhelmingly great. And everybody was excited to, to, to hear him and to see him do that because they knew that he knew. I mean, he would debate and fight with anybody about the Lord's church being right. But he wouldn't do it himself. I'll tell you what. Anytime, anyone, obeys God. It's a wonderful thing. Won't you do something wonderful? Obey God. That's what's in